Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. morning friends. Thank you for joining us this morning. For those who are online and watching, wonderful to have you with us. I came across some statistics this week. Out of curiosity, the majority of our online viewers, 60% of our online viewers are watching from overseas. So welcome to people around the world on a different clock, on a different uh, time scale. It's lovely to have you with us this morning. And we are on a journey, so it is my privilege to announce to you the Purpose Series. Now, you've seen some of the props up there. Thank you for that underwhelming response. Yes, Purpose. (laughs) All right. Okay. So we've got a prop on this side, and uh, thanks for the graphic artists and everybody who was involved in setting up. Really appreciate the hands that we had. Uh, Ernest and Valen, thank you for helping out. So this book is about Purpose. I want to encourage you to put a label on your book. There are labels available. You can just put your label on and and write your name on it so that nobody generously takes two home. Take your own book home, please. If it does not have your name on it, please leave it alone. Put your name on so that you can journey with us for six weeks. Now, how it works is very simple. Uh, Last year, we did a series, a similar series called Gifted, which was an incredible blessing. This one will be just as good, if not better. So in the beginning, page two, page three, today is a blank page group. Uh, Come and talk to me afterwards, we'd love to direct you. So it's a very easy book to follow. The light green pages are in the front of the book. It'll be sermon notes week by week, and then your home group notes week by week. And then every single day, so from page 19, there is a 36-day program by which you can, this is a, a devotional aid. This is your quiet time aid. You can read through it. Then there's a place, a place to praise God. Lord, I praise you that. And please, amen, whatever, what you would like, your request. Just kind of one a day. It's to help you for those who are experienced prayer warriors. Okay, this is, this is you're gonna say, oh, well, I wanna pray longer. Please do. But for those who aren't used to the concept of praying, you're welcome to out in an audio format on a day-by-day basis so that you can refresh yourself later on during the day, maybe listen to it in the car, or uh, when you get a, a moment's tea break at work, just press play and, and listen. So it just helps to reinforce that is the, the program we're on. Now, we're combining with a few churches are doing this same process. Please look after your books reason that we've only ordered 250 of them. We will order more if we need. But don't lose your book. Look after it. They cost us a large fortune. They are not cheap to to print and produce. And thankfully, we've clubbed in with a whole bunch of churches. And so a bunch of us are doing the thing at the same time, which is fantastic. Uh, Some churches around the world are participating with us today. But around South Africa, I know of at least 10 that are doing the same process at the same time, which kind of helps because it's uh, 
a togetherness thing. We felt that people that really need to find their purpose, their purpose in Christ, and so we're going to help you with that. So it is definitely a systemized, in a sense, a structured uh, discipling moment. For six weeks, help people find your purpose through home groups, through personal devotion, and also Sunday mornings. Shall we pray together? Father, as we launch this purpose series, we know that it is your heart that you wanna convey to people. It's easy to get a set of rules and to do and do and do and do. But Lord, we don't wanna be that. We want to be obedient to the promptings of your spirit and actually be more productive in that relationship and that lifestyle that you've given us to be able to walk with you in. Thank you that you require nothing from us other than faith. And I pray that the hidden potential, the purpose for which you have created us would blossom and like a Polaroid photo develop to full picture in everyone's hearts so that we can walk in your desire for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you're a visitor, you are so welcome this morning. Uh, we'd love to host you. Please join us for a cup of coffee afterwards. And uh, we'd love you to also, if you would like, get plugged into the Purpose Series. It's a six-week commitment. So for those who aren't in a home group, it's only a six-weeks commitment. You're welcome. And also, you're welcome to lead a home group. If you would like to start a small group in your home with a six-weeks commitment, one and a half hours per week, that's what we require of you. Please let me know. Afterwards, after church, we are going to have a home group leaders uh, meeting, just a short short training session to help you be able to help others. So if you want to experiment with kind of leadership in a small package that is terminable in six weeks' time, you're welcome to volunteer yourself. Uh, pray about it. I'm sure God says yes. <clears throat> you may have come across the story of Alice in Wonderland. And Alice meets the cat, the Cheshire cat. He's always grinning, right? So he grins like a Cheshire cat. And she says to him, where do I go from here? Which road do I take? And he says, it depends where you want to get to. So she says, I don't particularly know. So the Cheshire cat says to her, well, then it doesn't matter which road you take. I find many people live their lives outside of purpose. And that would be comparable to having a boat on the open ocean without a rudder. You're open to the winds of change and whichever wind or whichever tide or whichever ocean current grabs hold of you, that's where you're gonna end up. And most people live their lives not really living but existing. They don't have a vision, they don't have a set ideal in their mind and so because there is no direction, any road can take you somewhere. Charlie Brown says, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. And so sometimes I find purposeless people find themselves rather than in the open ocean, 
they find themselves in two places, in the harbor because they are looking for safety and never really want to venture out because the harbor is a safe place, so no risks, no adventure. Or they find themselves heading out of the, the harbor as the wind has taken them out, and in a very short while, they find their life on the rocks. I'm sure you know of people who may have come across or lived this kind of life. So we've got three major points I want to make. We've got a, a key theme this morning, a main Bible message. I've got three points I want to make out of that. And then I also have three black holes that you can avoid visiting. Three black holes. And then there are basically three keys to change your life. Three pivotal questions that need to be answered that will change your life. Our first scripture this morning is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Beautiful scripture. You should know this one. It'll come up in a second. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. That handiwork, that word is poema. In the Greek, that's the root text of the New Testament, it says you are God's poema. Now, you don't have to be very imaginative to understand that that is the base word for our word poem. You are God's poem. You are his, and it's used in many ways. Poema could mean you are God's craftsmanship, but actually it means you are God's masterpiece. You are his exhibit to the world. You are his Mona Lisa to an artist, or you are his, you're his priceless spectacle. You are the pinnacle of his creation. You are God's poema. You are his poem created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the first points I'd like to talk about is you are created by God. Now, for some people here, there are different worldviews. I'm gonna bring out three worldviews. The first worldview, so the first note you take today is you are created by God. You're created by God on purpose and for a purpose. You're created by God on purpose and for a purpose. The first worldview I'd like to present to you is the Oriental or the Eastern worldview. And that is an interesting worldview. I'm going to read you a quote. This comes from what another God would say. This is Krishna. Humanity must be cut from the dark forest of delusion. Listen to this, says Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. We are deluded into taking ourselves seriously only because we are caught in the world of illusion. The fact that we think we each have some special purpose in this material world is the problem itself. It leads to desires that perpetuate the attachment that keeps us bound to the wheel of suffering. Ouch. Seen from this perspective, freedom is not freedom to be an individual, but freedom from individuality through detachment and renunciation by one path or another. That's, what, that's a defeatist way of living. 
good grief, you are bound to this wheel of suffering that goes around and around. And every time, could you just imagine yourself strapped to this wagon wheel, fingers out, feet out, you're tied on. And every time the world goes around, your fingers get crushed and your feet get crushed if your head doesn't get bumped. And you're just, all the time, you are giddy from this world. And, and, and so the philosophy of Eastern mysticism is, good luck, you suck, and this world's a very bad place. Go sit on a rock and hum and maybe it'll get better for a short time. In their website, Questions for Purpose, two authors interview a Buddhist priest. His name's Takafumi Kawakami. So they ask, what is purpose? So this is the Buddhist approach, right? He says, there's no purpose in your life. The Buddhist approach is you're born, you die, you're born, you die. Like physics, like dominoes, you knock one and they keep falling that way. For individual human beings, there is no purpose. The goal of life, says Buddhism and Hinduism, is to actually get out of that line of dominoes so that finally, when you die, you do not return to this futile world of suffering. Ouch! Well, that's also, I think, defeatist. The second competing worldview is a secular one. And friends, maybe as I'm talking, you can identify a little bit of the influence that happens in your thought process, because sometimes, without knowing, we, we get influenced by worldviews, right? So the second one is a secular worldview, which says, I live for me, I'm in charge, I live for self-gratification, I live for my fame, for my glory, I want to be the top of the dog pile to mean something. And sometimes in this, we find ourselves get, getting lost down the track. And so the second worldview is secularism. The first worldview is Eastern mysticism. The second one is secularism. And there are many different worldviews. I'm just presenting to you some of the religious worldviews. So sometimes in secularism, you even have atheism, which says there is no God. I answer to myself. I am the final say in my own life. I'm in charge. And what is the purpose of life for someone who lives like that? Well, your purpose is whatever you want it to be. Bertrand Russell writes this. He says, we are all to be a weary but unyielding atlas. Do you know Greek mythology? There's this atlas, this really strong guy who carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. You've seen that picture? This guy bending over. I think he bends over like this. And then, and then there's this big ball on his shoulders called the earth. You've seen that. And some of us feel like that. We feel like it is our responsibility to make the world work. And so sometimes we have a heightened sense of duty I, I testified, I battle a little bit with that. I take responsibility for my own actions and sometimes for other people's actions. And, and it's not, I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm responsible for everything. And that's not the truth, is it? So sometimes we can be influenced by a secular worldview. And uh, then there's a third worldview. And that is the Bible worldview, which basically says, there is a purpose. You're created by God on purpose for a purpose. And in that, God works in us 
So we are God's handiwork. We're his poem. Right, here's a poem for you. Roses are red, violets are blue. Some poems rhyme, this one doesn't. Isn't it kind of weird when a poem doesn't have a point? It's like, why doesn't that poem work? Because it doesn't rhyme. There is a rhyme and a reason in what God creates us for. There's a rhythm. And you know there's a rhythm because when you're out of rhythm, you kind of feel like you're a wheel unbalanced. You kind of feel like that Buddhist wheel that keeps turning, 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 and fingers and toes and fingers and toes. And it's very uncomfortable. But when you're in a rhythm, you kind of feel, okay, this is a, I'm in a groove, and this is a comfortable space to be. You know, we're created by God as his poem. So God works in us, but he doesn't, that's, that's the one point. He doesn't only work in us, but he also works through us. He works in us, for it is God who works it in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Philippians chapter 13, he, he desires to work in us for his good purpose. And so we have dreams and desires and aspirations that sometimes are even given by God. We're created on purpose for a purpose. He works in us. Second point, he works through us. So we are his handiwork and we're his poem and we're instrumental in this world to help other people also, I think, find their purpose. So God created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, friends, he didn't create you by your good works. You're never gonna be good enough to be used by God. He's good enough to use you. We're never, we're never gonna be good enough to be used by God because we're full of imperfections, right? But the truth is, he created us and he calls us to himself. And when we find our purpose, we can live on purpose and it's like we can live a purposeful, meaningful life. And that's how you reach fulfillment, isn't it? It's when we live on purpose and you accomplish something and you, afterwards you stand back and you say, job well done. Well, we know because we've accomplished our purpose. Now, many people live without that sense of accomplishment, and so you live a frustrated life. So because you live a frustrated life, many times we try to fill our lives with other things. We'll get to that in a, in a moment. So I want to say, just be open to the possibility, maybe you haven't thought about this before, but be open to the possibility that maybe God created you to be more than you are in your existential self. Perhaps God has created you for something beautiful. Why? Because the word says he created you to walk in certain ways in advance. In advance. In other words, there is a roadmap that God created in advance for you to walk down. Now, you can walk anywhere on the map you want to, right? But God's created paths for you to walk in. And so when we find that purpose, we can find, ah, I'm arriving at a destination because I have a purpose. And... Alice in Wonderland can say to the Cheshire Cat, which way to Durban? And he could say, the N3, right? Which way to Cape Town? The N1. But Alice, not knowing where she wants to go, can go anywhere. So here's a newsflash for you. From where you're sitting right now, you can walk out onto that pathway in the car park, and that road will take you anywhere in the world. Anyway, the road to purpose starts right here. 
you can find your purpose. Over the six weeks, obviously, it's a progressive journey. We're going to help you find your purpose a little bit better. So not only does God work in us, but God also works through us. There's not something he wants to only write in our lives as a poem, but he wants to write our story into other people's lives. And he wants to, through us, also help them write their life story. We're connected. So I want to talk about black holes to avoid. So this is the second part. The first part is the three things that God is talking through the scripture about. He created you on purpose. He's working in you. And he wants to work through you. Three aspects of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. There are three black holes. Now, what, what is a black hole, friends? We orbit around the sun. Our little planet, Earth, amongst other planets, orbits around the sun. We revolve around something of greater mass. It provides us with energy. It provides us with light. Now, for us as Christians, we believe we revolve around the sun, the S-O-N, not the S-U-N. We revolve around the Son of God. Our life is around the magnificence of this person called Jesus. We revolve, we orbit around him. And when we're outside of that orbit, we're out of our rhythm, we're out of our kilter, we get a wobble and we spin off. But they're also, I don't know if you know, but stars like our sun, once they've served their purpose, they implode and that object of great magnitude that used to provide energy and used to provide a light now implodes and becomes an object of great mass that draws things into itself and not into its orbit. You know about that? It's like, a, like you, you release water from a bath plug and it swirls and it eventually gravitates into that black hole called your drain and it disappears for eternity and we don't know where it's gone. The same with a black hole. It does the same. It draws objects that used to orbit around it. It draws it into itself and eventually draws. It's also a star. But instead of it being an emitting star, it's an absorbing star. And it drags everything into itself. It's so deep and so dark that matter gets destroyed. Time gets destroyed. Everything for the physicists among us, the curvature of space and time gets sucked into that. It's like a bowling ball on a trampoline. The marble goes round, 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 and eventually right down to the bowling ball, and it disappears. And that's why a black hole's black, not because the object inside is black, but it sucks light that way, so you can't actually see what's in it. We can't observe. And some people's lives get sucked in. Black hole number one is me, myself, and I. The unholy trinity. The question, what is my purpose and what's the best way to live? What am I here for? The lamest argument we've ever got is, well, I'm here for me. And I'm sure you've heard people say that. Maybe you've been in a relationship where somebody, one of the two partners in the relationship was in it for me. Uh, you know how defeatist that is, how draining that is. That's a black hole. You can pour love and love and love and it just sucks it out of you, right? You can be in that. Maybe you're in a business relationship where the one partner is a black hole. Can be. Man, maybe you're the black hole.
the average 20 something year old today posts more pictures of themselves than Emperor Augustus Caesar had statues or pictures painted of himself in his reign as the emperor of the world. There's a reality to our self-glorification in our time that we live. I was thinking this morning, and I said to Suzanne, maybe if we label every decade, I'm missing a few decades, but I think the 60s were the hippies, right? That was a defining terminology was, what's the hippie era? We know, the 60s. What's the yuppie era? I think the 90s and the noughties. But I think our generation is known as the selfie era because actually we have this illusion that the entire world revolves around ourselves. And friends, if you have kids right now, we're going to be doing a, 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 um, a rising families course next week. Is that right? I think on two weeks' time, Friday, Saturday. The 11th and 12th, I think. I might have that wrong. There is an announcement. 10th, 10th and 11th. Yes, it is next week. Whatever, please watch the announcements. With keys and dates, ask my wife. Please, never give me your keys. I do lose them. I am the black hole of keys. I'm the place keys go to die. And dates. But we, we have a, a life characterized by self-indulgence, self-gratification. And I promise you, you're not as good as your Facebook page says you are. And you know that. But the sum total of your life is not the number of likes you get or dislikes you get, or the number of friends you get, or the number of unfriends you get. I was chatting to somebody on Friday afternoon, and I was saying, I've got a whole bunch of friends on Facebook. I think, I, I think most of you guys are my friends on Facebook. I've got 2,000 friends on Facebook, apparently. I, I don't know. I never post on Facebook. But if that were my claim to fame, I'd be a really popular person. But man, if there's something that really annoys me, it's the whole popularity. Ah, come on, please. I don't want to get sucked into that. But anyway... That's black hole number one. You can get sucked into self-absorption, self-investigation, self-magnification, self-satisfaction. What does the word say about that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Christ, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Your life finds meaning when it finds meaning in Christ. That is it, the purpose, to find meaning in Christ. Black hole number two, material things. I met this guy, no jokes, he came to church a few times and then he was missing for a while and I said to him, hey man, where are you? He said to me, Chris, I own six holiday houses. I can't be in church every week. You own six holiday houses? How tired are you? 
He says, Chris, I've got to go and visit them to make sure that the maintenance is done, to make sure that they are still in order, to make sure that they are workable for when I need to use them. So you go on holiday to go on holiday. Yeah, he says. Well, can I say, friends, your net worth does not determine your self-worth. Will all the men in the house write that down? Your net worth does not determine your self-worth. You are not the products of the things you accumulated. At one stage, Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest people on the planet. He'd be like Elon Musk maybe in our days or one of those super wealthy, crazy people who doesn't know the limits of their wealth. And when he died, a journalist went and asked his accountant, how much money did Rockefeller leave behind? The accountant said, all of it. The one who dies with the most toys is still dead. Material things. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Look at what Jesus' wisdom was. Watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of coveting. You've got to be alert. Jesus says you've got to look out. If somebody says to me, watch out, I'm like, whoa. Could you imagine walking in a dark alley with somebody and they say, watch out. And you're like, immediately you have a reaction. Jesus says, get a reaction. Get a violent, physical reaction to something. What is that? Be on your guard against coveting. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Do you remember Jesus comes to the rich young ruler? And in fact, he invites him and he says, would you be my 13th apostle? Not in so many words, but he says, go, sell everything you have and follow me. And the young man went away greatly saddened because he had great possessions. Actually, he went away greatly saddened because great possessions had him. Do you own your possessions? Or do your possessions own you? I have a mate who I introduced to motorcycling. He no longer, he no longer comes to church. Because everything he does all the time has got to do with his motorcycle. He's found a new God. You see, idolatry can happen in many ways. We can worship our functional savior, something that brings us pleasure, something that brings us relaxation, something that bring, brings us a functional security and identity outside of Christ. We can build things around ourselves because you see it's easier to, that's what an idol is, you control it, it doesn't control you until it does control you. See, idolatry is like time, energy, and resources go to an object. That's idolatry. That brings us affirmation, relaxation, and peace in our hearts. I trade time, energy, and resources for something else. So that becomes my functional savior, and we have to be, be aware of those. Jesus says, hey, hold on, hold on. Your life doesn't exist in your possessions, but don't worry. Get out of that cycle. Get off the hamster wheel. A wise man once said, to be clever enough to make a great deal of money, you have to be stupid enough 
to want to. The third black hole is the approval of others. The approval of others. Now, friends, every person needs acceptance. We, we need a sense of belonging. We need a sense of value amongst others. We need to be appreciated. It's a fundamental human need. But if we run after these things, we get into a trap called status anxiety. It's a guy called Alain de Bottom, French guy, who wrote a landmark book called Status Anxiety. And he says this, he says, the approval of others matters to us because we are afflicted by an uncertainty as to our own value. You get sucked in by the approval of others because you're afflicted by an uncertainty to our own value. As a result, we tend to allow others' appraisals to play a determining role in how we see ourselves. Our sense of identity is held captive by the judgments of those we live among. Aren't you glad the Bible has got an antidote for that? If that would be the venom of the snake, there is an anti-venom. Galatians 1 verse 10 says this. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? Does anybody battle with people pleasing? Don't know how to say no. Yeah? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Ouch. Can I say one of the hardest parts of my job as an elder in the church is to govern? I like leading, but governing is hard. Governing is when you say, I'm not going that direction. Guys, as a church, we're going this direction. We want this culture. We don't want that culture. And there's always opposing forces. And people have very strong opinions and they have desires to do things and to, and I get that, I understand. I, if I were to be a people pleaser, I could not be a servant of God, which means a whole bunch of you are angry with me a whole bunch of the time. I'm okay with that. Why? Because I have to please God and not you. My job is to get you to heaven, your job is to want to go. I do my job, you do your job. And it's simple. See, if I had to be offended at any person who was angry at me, we would never go forward as a church. It's not about the individual. It's not about you. Even though God has you in his plan, you're not the center of his plan. Jesus is. And even though he's got many, 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 many thoughts about you, and those thoughts outnumber the sand on the seashores, that was last week's message, even though he's got great many plans for you, Psalm 40 says there are too many plans for you to even mention. You've got to choose the plan that pleases God and not pleases yourself. That's the last black hole. 
We could spend a lot of time on black holes. But aren't you thankful that we revolve around a living son of God and not around a black hole? So here's three key questions that we're going to ask in this series. What is God's purpose for all of his children? God has got a general will for your life. Do you know that? There's a general will for all of God's people. Then there is a specific will. What is God's will for you personally? I battled with this, do you know? Especially as a young man, I, I battled to know that God, or to accept that God has got a, ba- a plan for me personally. I was, I was okay to believe that other people were special and God had a plan for other people. I was okay with that. I think that's wonderful. I battled to come to terms with the fact that God has got a plan for me and God has got a plan for my family. Part of God's plan for my family is to tell my kids that the universe doesn't revolve around them. And my life doesn't revolve around my kids or their wants or their needs or their temper tantrums. There's one thing Abigail hates more than anything in life. It's this statement. Pick your weather and make it sunny. We're not living under the cloud of your weather forecast, my girl. If you're unhappy, go find some sunshine. You're not messing up our day. What is God's purpose for me specifically? And then the third thing we're gonna answer in the series is how do I fulfill God's purpose? in my life. In closing, Ephesians 2.10, and this is a scripture that we're gonna repeat every single week until we know this. This is gonna be engraved in your psyche forever. It's gonna be written in your heart, and that is this. We are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, perhaps you're here for the first time. Perhaps you're here because somebody graciously invited you and brought a friend along and and you're the the plus one. Well, this morning is about you. Perhaps you haven't had the opportunity to put Jesus as the center of your life. Maybe you haven't had the opportunity to align yourself with God's great plan. But something in what we said this morning has helped you tune your heart towards the destination that God has a plan for my life. I want you to trust God's plan for your life. If this morning you say, I wanna put my hands, my life in the hands of God, I wanna pray with you. There's a second kind of person I wanna pray with, and that is maybe you find yourself trapped in a, orbiting around a black hole. Now it's not that you always orbit around either yourself or possessions or the approval of people, But from time to time, you find yourself astray and out of balance because you tend towards going down the wrong hole. I want to pray for you. I pray that you don't fall into a hole, a rabbit hole, chasing the rabbit and find yourself on a fantasy land adventure path like Alice. I want to pray for you. 
And there's a third person that I want to pray for, is that somebody who's questing after God's plan for their life and saying, Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to know your plan. I want to please you. I want to walk according to your ways. I want to live a life on purpose. Now, I know all three of those are wrapped up in one another. They're generally one prayer, which is, God, I abandoned myself and my black hole theory, and I want to adopt your way of life. Show me your purpose and show me your plan. Jesus is the center of God's plan for your life. There is no other plan, friends. God is destined that we be united with Christ, that we grow to maturity in Christ, and that we be glorified with Christ for all eternity. That's his plan. It's pretty simple. Maybe you're not ready to make that commitment now. Well, next week you can too. But I'm going to pray with you right now that the Lord's will be done in our lives. Is that all right? We're praying together, right? So while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if there's anybody here and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, you say, I, I want to stop living the way I've been living. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. All right, I see that hand there. I see that hand there. There's another hand there. Many hands going up around the building. And that one at the back there, I see you as well. We're going to pray this simple prayer and it just goes like this. Just pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I am sinful. I'm trying to make my own path in life, but I resign from my own ways. Please forgive me for sinning against you. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to make you the center of my life. Please forgive my sins and make me whole. Thank you that I am now your child. Please fill me with your spirit and give me the power to live life on purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the second person I'm praying for, and this is for some of us as Christians who have found ourselves stuck in black holes. So Father, right now, for those who are found in some kind of bondage. Maybe you want to raise your hand just as a sign to God. I'm not looking. No one's looking. So I'm stuck in a black hole. I keep orbiting around self-defeatism and I keep ambushing myself. And I just don't know. I don't know the top from the bottom all the time. I just really get stuck around the approval of others. I don't know how to say no. Maybe I'm stuck in materialism. Maybe I'm stuck in self-worship. The whole social media generation. Lord Jesus, I repent from a sinful way of life. I want to follow you. Show me purpose in Jesus' name. And then I'm also praying for those who right now are maybe a little bit off track with your purpose. Jesus, bring us back to the main road. Bring us back to the highway of holiness. Bring us back to your chosen design for our lives. Lead us by your spirit. Thank you that we are not orphans. You do not leave us alone. We partner with you in this great adventure called life. Fulfill your purpose in us and through us. In Jesus' name.